Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. I was at a garage sale recently and I saw something for a dollar that I had to buy for this TV show. So can I show you one of the most famous women in the history of the world? Here we are. It's the Mona Lisa. She was born uh, and died about 500 years ago. But if you kind of turn the picture, there's Mona in her glory. But there she is, whoops, there she is as a corpse, the Mona Lisa. And, and you just kind of go like this. And you know why I had to buy that and to put it on the TV show? Here it is. <laughs> you can be the most beautiful person on earth. You can be the most famous person on earth. But eventually, you're going to look like that. Have you ever wondered what your life would be like had Jesus not risen from the dead? The answer is, you'd be a corpse for eternity. What I want to do is ask the question, what would our lives be like if Jesus was dead? The one thing that distinguishes Christians from every other religion is only Christians believe Jesus rose from the dead. For instance, Christians believe in one God, so do the Jews. Uh, Christians believe in heaven and hell, so do the Muslims. But only Christians believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So let's consider for some minutes today, what would life be like had that great event of Christ's resurrection never taken place? Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and Paul the Apostle will tell us what life would be like if Jesus was dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and let's pray. Father, as we open the Bible, we pray that you'd open our ears, open our hearts, and speak to us now through these verses. In Jesus' name, amen. About 56 AD, the Apostle Paul is writing the ancient church in Corinth, modern Greece, and there were false teachers saying, the resurrection of the dead is not going to happen, that it invaded the church. So Paul has to write this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 12. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you, these false teachers, say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. The first thing that is true if Jesus is dead, all Christian preaching is empty, is vain. The, every sermon you've ever heard is a, is a lie. Every Bible study you've been to is a lie. Every grandma's Bible stories that she read to you are a lie. If Jesus isn't risen from the dead, all Christian preaching is vain. And look at verse 14 again. Also your faith 
is in vain. That means if Jesus is dead, your faith is in vain. The word in vain means it's empty, it's meaningless. I went to a doctor once and I'd never met him before and he finds out I'm a preacher and he makes, it becomes rather clear that this doctor has no time for God in his life. But he says to me, but my religion is running. I thought, that's kind of empty. <laughs> well, listen, if Jesus is not risen from the dead, our Christian faith is empty. Verse 17, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. That's the next thing that is true. If Jesus is dead, you are still in your sins. You have no one up in heaven to plead with the Father for you when you sin and fall. You're still in your sins. One night there was a large meeting where a, a, a man was on the stage giving his Christian testimony on how God saved him out of a life of alcoholism. And while he's sharing his testimony, a heckler in the crowd starts yelling, you're dreaming. Religion is an illusion. You're dreaming. And all of a sudden the heckler felt a pull on the bottom of his coat. Yes, little girl, what, 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 do, you, what do you want? Well, mister, that's my daddy up there. If he's dreaming, don't wake him up. We like him so much better now. <laughs> but if Jesus is dead, it's, it is a delusion. Uh, look, look at verse 18. If Christ is dead, then those who have fallen asleep, the dead Christians in Christ, have perished. If Christ is dead, then dead Christians are dead. You'll be looking like a corpse for eternity and you'll never see grandma again you'll never see your husband or your parents again you'll never see your see your five little five-year-old little daughter that died if Jesus is dead everybody's dead I you know Anne Margaret the famous actress she's getting to be an older woman now when I saw an, an interview with her now she's a Christian and she said if I didn't think I could see my parents again I couldn't live <laughs> And one more thing that would be true if Jesus was dead. Look at verse 19. If we have only hoped in Christ in this life, we are of all men most to be pitied. If Christ is dead, we Christians are to be pitied. Now, do you remember years ago, the 39 people of the cult who committed suicide so they could join a spaceship to follow a comet out of the universe. Do you remember that? How deluded they were? If Jesus is dead, Christians are just as deluded. For part of my college career, I went to Grinnell College, a very intellectual school, and I was talking with a young college woman, and I was sharing with her that I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And I remember she looked at me and she said, you are deluded. <laughs> well, here's what would be true if Christ was dead. Number one, we'd be pitied. Number two, we'd be deluded. Number three, we'd be dead forever, and we'd have no one in heaven to plead for us. We're believing in a fairy tale. But Jesus did rise from the dead, and now the Apostle Paul will tell us the wonderful things, uh, the three things that are true, because he is risen. Look at verse 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. 
But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. The first thing that is true because Christ is risen, he is the first fruits. Now what does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, the farmer would take the first of his crop and offer it to the Lord as the assurance that he knew the rest of the crop was coming. When Jesus rose from the dead, he's the first fruits. He's the first to rise from the dead as the assurance the rest of us also will be raised. I, uh, I went to seminary, and during my three years of seminary study, the most moving thing that happened at seminary is the professor took us into the old Muskego church. At my seminary, they've moved this 1850 log cabin church that was in somewhere, I think, in southern Minnesota, I can't remember, and they moved it to the campus of the seminary. And our professor took us in that wooden church, had us sit on the wooden benches, and he told us was what life was like for Lutherans in the Midwest in 1850, the high infant mortality rate, the large number of women that died in childbirth. And he just explained the dirt poor, difficult lives of these people. And he said, Easter was huge for these people. Then I'll see my little girl again. And just the, the huge importance and centrality of the resurrection of Christ for these people that face death every day. The first thing that is true because Christ is risen is he's going to be the first of everybody that will be raised. Second thing that is true because Christ is risen, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 21, For since by a man, Adam, came death, by a man, Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as Adam all die, also in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after that, those who are Christ's at his coming. Next thing that is true because Jesus is risen, all the dead will be raised. You won't be looking like that Mona Lisa corpse for eternity. Now, they discovered in Egypt a 3,000-year-old tomb with a mummy and various artifacts from the person's life. They found a little jar filled with some very round, hard peas. They did an experiment. They took the peas out, planted them under a pane of glass, and after a while watered it. These peas that are 3,000 years old sprung to life. <laughs> I think that's going to happen on the last day. Right now, people are being planted all over the world in, in their graves, but when Christ returns at the second coming, they're going to sprout up. When I was a little boy, my brother and I had pea shooters, the little guns you put peas in them and you'd shoot your brother around the backyard. Um, but when spring came, <laughs> there were these little pea plants that sprung up over our lawn and dad got rid of the pea shooters. He didn't like that. That's a picture of the second coming, that you're being planted, you're going to be buried, but one day you will be raised imperishable. Um, now. I know people have problems with this. Well, how can these bodies have totally disintegrated? How can God put them back together? Well, he made them in the first place. It's no big deal for him to put them back together. Look at verse 24. 
Then comes the end, when Jesus delivers up the kingdom to the God and Father, when Jesus has abolished all rule and all authority and power, for he, Christ, must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. Here's the last thing that happens because Christ rose from the dead. Because he is risen, Christ will reign over death. Right now, death is reigning over our planet. This is a dark, evil, sinful world. We're all going to die. But when Jesus comes back at the second coming and descends from heaven, he's going to put his foot on the skull of Satan and on death, and he's going to crush Satan and death for eternity, and then Jesus will reign. There's a story that in 1815, and Napoleon was defeated by the English General Wellington at Waterloo. The story is that was that the courier gets to the shore and runs to London, gets on top of a high spire, and with Morse code he's going to signal out Wellington defeated Napoleon. So W-E-L-L -L Wellington, second word defeated, and then a fog settled in. And all the people could see was Wellington defeated. And the story goes that then the fog lifted and the young man tried it again. Wellington defeated Napoleon and the city rejoiced. <laughs> well, when Jesus died on the cross and they put him in the grave, it looked like the message was Jesus defeated. But three days later, we saw, when he rose from the dead, we saw the real message, Jesus defeated death. When Christ comes back, he's, the final enemy to def, be, to be, be defeated will be death. My, when my dad told us this story when, I was, when my dad was little. He and his little friend went out into the forest at night with a big glass jar, and they caught lots of lightning bugs. And they, they screwed the jar back, and Dad put it under his coat, and he and his little friend went into the movie theater. When they turned down the lights for the movie, my dad unscrewed the lid, and lightning bugs were everywhere in the theater. And my dad said the manager got mad, turned up the lights, who did this? And I can't remember if they caught him or not. But, you know, that's kind of a picture of what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, it's like God took the lid off and showed us just for a moment what's going to happen at the end of time when everyone is raised from the dead. All right, let's, let's summarize all this. If Jesus was dead, all Christian preaching and teaching is empty, your faith is, is pointless, you're deluded, we're still in our sins, we don't have an intercessor, Christian dead people are just dead, and we are, Paul says, most to be pitied for being so deluded. But Jesus did rise from the dead, and because of that, three things. Number one, he is the first fruits. He's the guarantee it's going to happen to all of us. Number two, all the dead will be raised. And number three, Jesus will reign over death. That is what is true because Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with Him. Pastor Brock, do we go to heaven immediately when we die, or do we sleep until Judgment Day? Mm -hmm. And you know, Jackie, 
Of all the questions I've been asked through the years, this is probably the most frequent question I get. And we've, we've talked about this a number of times. Let me do it one more time. There's two views. One view is called soul sleep. Martin Luther believed in soul sleep. And they asked him, Dr. Luther, what do you think will be the first thing you hear after you die? And he said, I expect to hear someone knocking on my coffin. Time to get up, Dr. Luther. And his view was that you go to sleep until Judgment Day. You're raised on Judgment Day. It seems like a second, but you've been sleeping for hundreds of years. Most Lutherans didn't follow that, and I don't, because Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Today you'll be with me in paradise. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah from the Old Testament show up and they're talking to Jesus. They're not sleeping. They're, they're awake and alive. And Paul the Apostle says, I'd far rather like to depart and be with Christ. That's far better. Well, it doesn't sound like he's talking about sleeping. So my view is this, and I think, but there are verses that talk about being raised on the last day and the Christians who are asleep right now. So I think the way you put them all together I think when my grandma died, her spirit went to heaven. I think she's consciously with Christ right now, but she doesn't have her perfect new resurrection body yet. That she will get at the second coming of Christ when he comes and he raises our bodies and imperishable and we get our new bodies. So I think both are true and that's, that's the way I put it together. Okay, Tom, then that raises kind of an interesting question because cremation has become mm -hmm. so popular yes. in, that, in this day and age. Yeah. What do you think of cremation? You know, Is that's another very frequent question we get. I, I, I have a Catholic priest friend. I'm a Lutheran, but he's a Catholic priest. I said, what do you say to that question? And, and he said, the Catholic Church used to frown on cremation because back in the day it was kind of a sign that you didn't believe in the resurrection of the body. But he said, we don't frown on it anymore and yes, you can be a good Catholic and be cremated. So I'm a Lutheran and my view is, I don't know a Bible verse that clearly says either way. Now, I don't want to be cremated. Something in me likes not the thought of burning my body. It just, you know, I don't like being the thought of being embalmed either. I would just rather be put in the ground. But um, so I don't think we can say it's wrong. I personally don't like it, but it's not, that's not to say it's wrong. Well, it's getting to be very popular, and I think that people especially Christians, are probably questioning whether it's right or wrong. Right. Yep. So, how can God put a body back together that's been totally decomposed? Right. I mean... Let's say you're buried at sea. Or, I don't know how long it takes to totally decompose a body. That'd be an interesting thing to, to read up on. But Jackie, like I said in the sermon, God created them in the beginning. It won't be a big deal for him to put them back together. Wow, our God hmm. is what awesome God. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> so, will a person know their loved ones when they get to heaven? I mean, I think it would be very sad if I got to heaven and was looking for my loved ones mm -hmm. and couldn't find them. I think the answer, Jesus said, you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. And Jackie, if I'm, I've never seen those three men, but somehow I'm going to know there's Abraham. I think you're going to know, oh, there's my mother. Or there's my grandma. I think you'll know. Yeah. Hmm. So. Okay. Well, then. I think a lot of people wonder about that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, do we become angels when we die then? No. Uh, Jesus said we will become like angels okay. and that we'll be single. 
And uh, for instance, Jackie, I, I preached a while ago in Florida, and I preached that when you die and go to heaven, you're single. You're not married to your husband or wife up there. And a lady after church was so sad. You, you mean I'm not going to be married to my husband when I see him again? I said, no, because, you know, Jackie, nobody dies up in heaven. You don't have to repopulate heaven. We don't need children, so we don't need marriage. But I, think, I said to her, I think you'll know there's my husband, but Jesus said you won't be married in heaven. You'll, we, we don't become angels. We become like angels in the fact that we'll be single. So, okay. All right. Well, I guess <laughs> it's hard for people to accept that because they think, you know, you're going to be together forever, even mm -hmm. after we die. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. Will unbelievers be raised from the dead? Everybody is raised from the dead. And the, then what happens And then to they're the, judged. And sorry. those who trusted Christ and uh, are saved by grace, they go to heaven. Those who rejected Christ's offer of grace go to hell. Everybody is raised. Everybody is raised. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is a tough one, and I think we've had it a couple of other times. Where do unbaptized babies go? Well, um, there's a lot of yeah, teachings. Out yeah. There. And you know, when the Bible is clear, I need to be clear. When the Bible is gray and fuzzy, I need to be gray and fuzzy. I don't know a Bible verse that answers the questions. Where do unbaptized babies go? Now, if we've got Baptist viewers, they're going to not like that question because they don't think babies should be baptized to begin with. But th this is the closest answer I can give, and I'm not sure this is right. But you remember when David committed adultery with Bathsheba, they have a little baby, and Nathan the prophet says, you know, you're gonna, this baby's going to die because of your sin, David. And then the baby dies, and David says, the baby cannot come to be with me, but I will go to be with the baby. And some people think that's a reference to heaven, that David knew he would see his child in heaven. Maybe. The only problem is he might have been just referring to the graveyard. Yeah, my baby's going to the graveyard and I'm going to go meet him. So it's not super clear. Think, you know, the whole thing about the app, you do have the afterlife in the Old Testament, but it comes, becomes much clearer in the New Testament. Heaven and hell become much clearer in the New Testament. It, you know, it's a hard thing because people don't think ahead to think about those things, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden something happens and they're faced with having to think about yeah, those things. Do Christians believe in the immortality of the soul? The immortality of the soul is the belief that when you die, your spirit lives on, and your body never will, but your spirit will. That was a Greek concept. The ancient Greeks believed in the immortality of the soul. Christians believe in something different. We believe in the resurrection of the body, that actually we will be given new, perfect resurrection bodies someday. But it doesn't mean it's going to be the body you have now is going to come back. No, it isn't. But when Jesus came back from the dead, and even though he could zoom in and out of rooms and unlock doors, he still had the nail prints. And he said, Thomas, come put your finger in my nail prints and don't be disbelieving anymore. So there was a connection to Jesus' old body, but now it was transformed and it had different uh, properties than the old body had. Okay, well, I guess you kind of almost sort of answered my next question mm -hmm. I was going to ask you, is that will our new bodies look like our old bodies? You know, yeah, I, I mean, when you see your grandma, Jackie, is she going to be 90 for eternity, or, or will a baby be three months for eternity? I don't think we know the answers to those questions. God will sort it out. I don't think we really even want to know the answer <laughs> yeah. to that question. That's right. So, okay. 
Pastor Brock. Yes. Do you believe in ghosts? I do not. Now here's here's what I mean by that, Jackie. If you if you read Luke chapter fifteen or sixteen uh, about the rich man and Lazarus, when you die, your soul either goes to heaven or hell. You don't come back and get reincarnated five or six times like the Hindus teach. You don't float around ghost houses and show up at seances communicating with your dead loved ones. Demons are real, and perhaps demons can masquerade as the dead. But as Christians, we're forbidden to go to seances, and it's an abomination, according to the Old Testament, to try to contact the dead. Why? Because the dead are not on earth. They're in heaven and hell. Now, you know, but there are demons, and the demons can inspire and make, make things look real that are not real. You know, Tom, I noticed that you have some extra questions yeah. that we have, but I only have one more okay. question for you before sure. you go to those. Okay. Because what will we do when we get to heaven? Well, even that's not clearly spelled out. We know we will worship the Lamb. We'll be around the throne of the Lamb and we'll worship the Lord. And, and uh, what else will we do? I'm not sure. But Jackie, I had a friend who worked with Satan worshipers. And they said to her, while you're up in heaven having a boring time strumming a harp, we'll be down in hell having a great old time. I thought, talk about being deceived. Nobody has fun in hell, and heaven will not be boring. So it just shows you how people can mess things up. Okay, we did have this question come in. Uh, Pastor Brock, I know I am not saved by good works, so I am confused and I don't understand Philippians 2.12 where it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So what is there for me to work out if I'm already saved? Well, notice that Philippians 2 doesn't say work your salvation. We can't do that. But it says work it out. So God works in me that I'm saved by the grace of God. And then by the Holy Spirit's grace and power, I work that out in my life. I'm saved by the grace of God, the cross of Christ alone. But it is worked out in my life by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And let's see what else has come in. Um, well, we just have a minute, Jackie. And I'll give an update and then you can close. But everybody, we've been doing this show for 30 years. And about eight years ago, we went national. We're on national TV. And we're also on in uh, Duluth and Topeka, no, Wichita. Just we're on in various cities around the country. The more uh, support we get, the more cities we add to see our show. And so if, if you've been blessed by this show and you think it has an important message, uh, think about at the end of the show you'll see an address or a, a website people give that way. But if you'd be open to contributing, we'd appreciate it. Uh, pray for us and, and we appreciate that. And it amazes me how the people still keep coming forward yeah. and telling us that they've seen us. Yeah, there you so. go. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that God will be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we're all together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? 
You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the Pastor's Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.